Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Claire Marquick, and this is Real Life Business. Welcome to episode number seven, and this week I am talking to Ashley Hughes. Ash is a human performance coach, organizational development consultant, and the co-founder of Quintessential Performance, a boutique human performance consultancy based in the UK. During his time in the UK military, he found his passion for peak performance and developing peak performing individuals and teams. And it was this passion and the need to scratch that entrepreneurial itch that led him to create quintessential performance. He's a husband and a dad to a beautiful nine-year-old daughter and five fur baby chihuahuas who are very much part of the family. And in this episode, Ash shares openly his trials and tribulations with establishing a business on the side of a full-time job. And we talk specifically around handling feedback and imposter syndrome, which I'm sure we've all felt to some extent at some time or another. Now, Ash and I crossed paths through mutual connections a year or so ago, and although we both now work in a similar field, our backgrounds couldn't be more different. We joined the conversation with Ash sharing with us a little about his background and how he came to be doing what he's doing right now. It's a long and boring story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My background is 21 years in the British military. Um, I joined pretty much much straight from school. after trying my hand at an engineering apprenticeship for a year. Um, and then I got jealous of my friends that were in the military earning a hell of a lot more money than I was at the time. So I was very short-sighted, that's why I joined the military. Um, but I've ended up having a wonderful career, which has you know, brought me to where I am right now. It's given me all the tools that I, that I use right now and has created the person that sits here in front of you today. Um, and about 20... 17 20 yeah 2017 I I realized that as much as I loved my job at the time it wasn't what I was passionate about anymore and I realized that I'd soon have to leave the military and the comfort blanket that it wraps around you for so long giving you you know guaranteed pay and and dental and everything that you could need to worry about um and I got a little bit worried and I thought wow what what's do I need to do to provide for my family? Mm. I didn't want to step into the real world without an idea. So um, it was sort of the, the fear of the unknown that forced me to take action in what comes to four years ago now. Um, and that's when I, I reached out to a couple of friends and we had this idea of, you know, we love helping people. We're, we like to think we're pretty good coaches. Um, <laughs> we've, we've got a hell of a lot of experience doing it. Um, doesn't make us any good, but we've got a lot of experience. Um, you know, the evidence was there. They were like, okay, we're okay at this. Yeah, we, we can, can, we can potentially make a living from this. And it's what we were both passionate about. Um, and so then we decided to build something. We didn't know exactly what it was, but it was good. Okay, it was going to build a company around human performance and we'll figure it out. <laughs> That was it really, four years ago. I love that. You know, me from my um, accounting background, uh, you know, sort of accounting and business development, it it all happened Mm -hmm. about the same time. So it was that 2017 realisation of, oh, shit, you know, I don't really know that I'm, you know, getting my needs met from this anymore. It's really not Mm -hmm. doing it for me anymore. And, you know, even though I'd had that 
a career in helping businesses, you know, plan and, and with their finances and with their tax, my attitude was exactly the same. It's like, let's just start something and we'll just, just kind of wing it. Like business plan, who needs mm-hmm. a business plan? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've just got a bit of a general idea of what I want to do and we'll just go from there. It, it's sometimes the, the best idea because we, we've gone full 360 over the last, uh, the first two years, two and a half years, we took, we had our initial idea, like, this is what we're going to do. This is going, this is, this is going to be the definition of the company. This is what we'll do. And this is, this is who we'll do it for. Over two years, we had that many conversations with people and influenced by other things that were going on in the world and what other people's success is. We started our little discovery rabbit hole journeys which I think it's good to go down. The danger is if you go down them and you forget, you know, what your purpose was at the start, really. Mm. Um, and we, again, we've learned the lesson the hard way, which is a nice lesson to learn. Um, but we, we had the, it was about, about two years in, we're like, oh, wow, we're back at start. Where we were <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> huh. We're probably onto, onto a good idea then. We'll stick with it. And, and now we're comfortable as a business of like, you know, who we are, what we do, who we do it for, and more importantly, who we don't do it for and what we don't do. And it's only through experience that we've managed to, to sort of get to that um, place in time. Mm. Uh, and also one of the things that was lucky for us, we had the comfort blanket of a guaranteed salary every year or every month, sorry, um, because we started it whilst we were serving. Mm. Um, for me it was only pure if I had to do it um without that I think I think it'd be a hell of a lot harder I know it'd be a hell of a lot harder um yeah I don't know if we'd have the comfort or the ability to pick and choose what we actually do and don't want to do because you just need to get money coming in at the start yeah that's something that I can resonate with because I tried um, and I shouldn't even use the word try because it's a big, it's a word that I sort of almost taboo my um, clients from saying, you know, you try, you either do it or you don't. So I did um, run my business at the same time as a full-time job to begin mm-hmm. with, but mm-hmm. I really struggled with that um, because I felt that I then wasn't giving either a hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was, thinking about business stuff and and googling business stuff and jotting things down while I was at work and then when I was at home I just you know I wished I had more time or you know I just yeah it just didn't I didn't feel like it worked and then when you Mm -hmm. throw in the mix of trying to be a a wife for yourself a husband a dad a mum you know you throw in all of that as well it's a lot to balance and juggle isn't it it is absolutely and yeah, I mean, again, by doing is when you know, isn't it? Is when you learn. You know, if you don't do anything, you'll never learn. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and it is hard. It's continuously hard. Um, I think one of the lessons I learned very early on, I can't remember where I learned it from. Um, it might have been something that inspired people like Tim Ferriss or something. It was four-hour work week sort of ideology. I don't really know, but... I realized that time is the only thing that I've got and I need to protect it. And I still do. I really guard my time. Mm. It's one of the, the, the best lessons. I think, you know, it's nothing new. A lot of people talk about it, but I, just, I don't think a lot of people do it very well. Um, 
when I had the idea for for quintessential performance for, for the business, I was literally about to embark on a six month deployment overseas as a team leader. So I was in a position of, of um, responsibility. You know, I had to turn up and do my job really well because there's a team around me that depended on it. Mm. And I took that very importantly um, because their life, you know, was, was sort of not in my hands, but, you know, the, the decisions that I made as a team leader would influence, uh, would, you know, impact on them massively. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that. I was studying for my master's at the time, distance learning, um, and I was trying to figure out what we we're going to do as a business. So, you know, I had three whiteboards. I put three whiteboards up in my room and I just went to town of, you know, drawing on everything of all these models and concepts and ideas and business ideas, what we we're going to do. I just need um, to pause you there because I just need to make sure that everybody listening actually heard what you said because where <laughs> I was where I was juggling developing a business um, with a full-time job, I was sat in a nice, safe, comfortable office um, with air conditioning and, you know, a whole heap of like, morning tea in the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. You're talking about being on active deployment in yeah. Afghanistan. Uh while studying for your masters (laughs) and planning your business just want to make sure that everybody actually heard that because it's not your average full-time job that you were juggling (laughs) no it's not and 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 thank you for that it's it's one of the things we we just do it don't we and but you know yeah I appreciate that it's a nice it's a nice sentiment um I think the funniest thing was because of the nature of that deployment, we, were, we lived our lives on 20 minutes. So we were always had to be on 20 minutes notice to move. So on, you know, on a phone call, we'd have to be in the briefing room within 20 minutes and ready to roll out the door. And so you, you can't plan in that. You can try and plan as much as you can, mm. but then you just have to roll with whatever the, the pain that comes with it. Yeah, which I think is, it's a good way to develop. Personally, I find it really really well because I just like okay this has happened I've got to roll with it now I drop everything that I'm doing and I go and do what I need to do and then I can come back and carry on it's not mm. the end of the world um but I, yeah so I, I that's the time where I really come up with my plan and I, I was I created what then came to be my three days within a day strategy so I like the when I came back to the UK I sort of implemented uh, the same, a similar strategy, because then when I come back to the UK, I've got my family as well that I have to be responsible for, which it's easy when I'm away because my wife takes the, you know, does her job amazing. She runs our family. She does when I'm home anyway. I'm not saying anything otherwise. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't have that when I'm away, which for me is the most important thing to me in, in my life. So when you don't have those pressures of there's nothing you can do you're so many hours away and that's it you literally can't do anything so you have to relinquish that control and responsibility onto your partner and I think that's easier than being at home running a family because that's the hardest thing Mm. um so when I came back to the UK I I developed this strategy um that I would have three days within a day and so I would get up at at half five I'm, I'm quite an early morning person anyway or I can do early mornings or late nights. Can't do both. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the quiet and the stillness when other people are asleep. 
there's just a calmness in the air. You know, you can open your windows, you can listen to the birds or, or, or just the nighttime noise. And it's it's calming. I find it really calming and I, and I find it really productive. Yes. So I learned that yeah. about myself. And so I would get up at half past five. Um, I'd do some quick personal development, maybe some stretching or some meditation or something like that. Um, and, and then I would spend that time um, half five till half eight working on me so my own personal development so usually my, finishing off my degree or, or whatever I've done or other courses you know personal development mm. wherever that may be half past eight to nine o'clock would be my sort of transit to daytime job to the time that I can't control the nine to five out of my hands like again it's just relinquish that control because when I go to work I have superiors above me that when they ask me to do something I have to do it so I can't control my time so I just relinquish that time and then manage the other time that I do have. Mm. And I, I would come back home, um, allow myself sort of an hour for relaxation of nothingness. Yeah. Uh, and then from about seven till half nine, 10 o'clock, it would be working on the business. And, that, and that's how I, you know, went for a long, long time. Um, it's not so strict a routine now because it doesn't need to be at the mm. moment. But um I find that guarding your time really works well if you do it, if you do it, if you implement it properly. I think I, I love that. I love the, the the time blocks. It's we all crave certainty, don't we? And you talked before about mm-hmm. comfort and, and and the comfort and the security of having a full time job. And when mm-hmm. when we take that away, um, we might not be able to immediately replace the comfort and the security of that income, but we can still give ourselves that comfort and security through other means, can't we? So like you say, taking control of our time and and blocking our time and knowing exactly, um, okay, in this time slot, I'm doing this. In this time slot, I'm doing this. In this time slot, I'm doing this. And as I say, whilst Mm -hmm. it might not be the, the financial security, we're still building that certainty and security within us aren't we and that can then help us sort of I feel become more resilient or more able Mm -hmm. to cope with the uncertainty of the unknown of running a business yeah you're 100% right if if you can do as much as you can do around the conditions that you can control and we have limited control this is this crazy illusion in the world in our life as humans we can control everything we can't you know this last 18 months has just shown us that Mother Nature just thrown us a curveball saying, no, 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 you need to change the way you're living. Uh, and it's been horrendous. You know, it's been absolutely horrendous. Um, and more so for you in the UK than it has for us over here in Australia. <clears throat> you know, you've, yeah, well, your daughter's probably only just gone back to school, hasn't she? Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, there's, there's certain types of leadership within countries, isn't it? Some work well, some don't. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, <Not said. laughs> but you know, you, you're right. It's um the control that you can have around the conditions that you can control and the environment that you place yourself in. Like you said, we, we as humans, we we crave that certainty, and the control is a way of getting certainty or, or appearing to get certainty. Mm. Um, but I think the danger, the danger is with that, the, the ritual I was just doing, saying as well about my time is that people can get too emotionally attached or 
beat themselves up too much about it. So yes, I would get up at half past five and I'd do my work. There'd be some days where I weren't, I wasn't very productive. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, so what? Yeah. I'll be more productive the next day. I'll catch it up or it's it, it's done. And that and the danger is when people sort of dwell on that. Oh my god, I haven't achieved this. I need to double down, triple down. And you're like, you're just gonna kill yourself. Yes. Because of what? Did anyone die? <laughs> no. Okay. And this is, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be in environments where, you know, that's a valid question. It, it gives you a good perspective. Yeah. On life. You know, it's like, did anyone die? No. Okay. There's a ton of lessons we probably need to learn right now, but we can all breathe and we can all relax because we're all going to live to, to see another day. Mm. Cool. It's not as bad as we initially thought. Move on. Mm. That's so, that's so powerful, isn't it? And I mean, I haven't had the the experiences that you no doubt have. I, I share that philosophy and I sometimes wonder where that's come from. And I have to say, I sometimes question mm. myself in as much as, should I care more? You know, or, or, or I don't know, I don't quite know how to say it, but I feel that I can get over things quite quickly, um, but then mm-hmm. other things I'll stew on for a really long yeah. time and, and it, it, mm-hmm. they might be completely sort of um, out of sync. You know, the, the big massive mm-hmm. thing I can get over really quickly, the little teensy little irritating thing I'll dwell on for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't quite, doesn't yeah, quite compute, absolutely. but I guess that just highlights the complexities of our little brains, it doesn't does. it? <laughs> Yeah, it does. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination. I espouse all this theory and, um, you know, I'm, I'm my own worst client. Um, <laughs> That's so good. Because to hear. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, as much as I, I do, I generally do try to sort of nothing, not a lot bothers me if, you, if you know, people sound very horizontal. Um, I, I am, and but I just value the only thing really that matters to me in my life is the health of my family. And that's mm. it. Um, but you know, I've literally gone through this imposter syndrome where I, for about two days, I questioned like, have I, I need to close the business down. I've made the wrong choice here. I, you know, I am not good at what I'm doing because of some critical feedback that I had from a client mm. <laughs> and it took conversations with my intimate circle, um, to understand that I was just being too overly emotional because it was it was my first very big client um I, I valued their opinion too much I was questioning myself and my own ability because I've lived in this environment for so long within the military whereas you know I've got to a decent level I'm quite competent and, and, and confident in my ability um and sort of I can get by on sort of like 20 percent effort some days because it's not that hard. No, like you're on autopilot. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you drop into this corporate environment, big corporate environment, and you hold others in high regard because they're good at what they do. And there's this question like, why, why, why is Ash sat in front of these people right now? You know, these big group of senior people in this big corporation. And yeah, after the first week of a, of a sort of leadership uh, virtual leadership development program um we got some excellent feedback so in hindsight it was excellent feedback um there was nothing wrong it was just not the way they want wanted it to go right 
but I took it so personal. Oh my God, they hate me. I'm terrible. For two, two days, I literally was like in a dark place of, I need to close the business down, made the wrong decision, I've let my business partner down, let my family down. Oh man. Yeah, so it's the reality of owning a business, isn't it? There's ups and downs. And I think, I don't know if you're the same, sounds like <laughs> you might be, but you could have had, you could have so many people giving you positive feedback on, you know, how great your programs mm-hmm. are, what an excellent coach, how much you've helped them. You know, you could, I feel I could have thousands and thousands i'm not saying i've got that many clients but thousands and thousands of comments and reviews like that and if one mm-hmm. person says one thing negative that'll be it it'll wipe all those positives <laughs> out <laughs> absolutely right again yeah we do and you know one, one of the people that i spoke to you about this situation that i did with and she said look it's just because you're passionate about what you do you want to be a good coach you want to develop these people you're passionate about these so if you weren't feeling like this I'd be questioning whether it's the right profession for you but obviously I was in this too we're quite ready to hear that yet yeah um but you know it it was it was great and you know that she said that and again one, one of the lessons that I've learned about life in general but especially within business is you need to really surround yourself with a close, intimate, um, you know, circle of people that will give you honest and critical feedback from a place of love and growth and for your own good or for the good of the organisation. Yes. Um, and, you know, I over this those two days, I went to, you know, three or four of these people and I was like, hey, this has just happened. Um, and <laughs> my, my wife was the, the best one because she gives me the obviously she can do give me the harshest critical feedback direct um and sometimes it's what you need it's what I needed and it was just yeah it was just well do you think you're a good coach I was like yeah I'm a bloody good coach and she was like right then get over it get on with it I was like yeah you're right (laughs) it was it you know it snapped me out of that little self-pity bubble that I was living in at the time um, but you, you need you, you need to surround yourself with people that you can trust to be there for you on your darkest day as well as they're championing for you on, on your best mm. day I think that's I think that's excellent advice because it was, would be re- it's really really easy to surround ourselves with people that are always going to tell us what we want to hear yeah. um, and that might make us on the surface feel better mm. in the moment but it doesn't yeah. It doesn't help us long term, does it? It doesn't no. doesn't challenge us. It doesn't stretch us. It doesn't help us grow. It doesn't. It's like I liken it to you know living in a house without a mirror. You know we can believe mm-hmm. we can believe how we look. We can have this yeah. perception of how we look, and then we'll suddenly catch sight of ourselves in a shop window and be like, oh shit. <laughs> 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 so we might not always like yeah. that feedback we might not always like that reflection but it's only when we can see that that we can choose to do something about it absolutely a, a close friend of mine and a mentor previous mentor of mine um many years ago said to me that um let me get this right it says real friends tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear mm. and, that, and that stuck with me you know, whenever I've I've questioned whether I should give a certain feedback or something to my intimate circle, it's like no, they, you know, they need to hear hear this. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's coming from a place of 
of you know love and growth and you know good intent absolutely yeah not there just as outwardly you know be spiteful and make someone feel bad because that's different it's um yeah telling people what they need to hear and but we're human and sometimes that hurts and sometimes we can feel shit and we can Mm -hmm. ponder on that for two days and that's okay (laughs) yeah and that's it It, and it's okay sounds pity if you go have have a pity party who cares you know it's fine you need to meet but this is where you know those that are perhaps not as self-aware or as confident or, you know, that's it, it can really become a sort of self-fulfilling prof- prophecy of despair and doom and depression and, you know, ultimately death. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's an area that I, that I, that I play in with my peak performance coaching. You know, it's, I'm not, not, you know, I'm not trying to belittle it. It's a very dangerous, very serious area. Um, and you've got to be aware of it. And as a coach, I've got to be very aware of it. Yep. But I think it's, it, there's a, that really mm-hmm. fine line, isn't there, between um, reflection and um, oh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Rem- Damn it, I can't think of it now. Dwelling on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. think of it. I can't think of the word that I'm after now. But anyway, I'll, uh, I'll cut that bit you're out. Absolutely right. <laughs> I, I love- I, re- I love reflection. I'm a, I'm a big reflector. I've l- I've learned because I would be the one that would have you know I'd be in a meeting, something would be said, and two days later I'd be like, "Damn it, I've got the answer," you know, because <laughs> I've reflected on it for so long, <laughs> which you know can be a strength, but also can be a, a debilitating weakness as well because that's all you're thinking about for two three days. Um, <laughs> re- reflection is a really good tool. Um, I try to reflect in action now a bit more. So in the moment, mm. what's going on rather than on, on the action. Um, but yeah, it's a really good tool. That's probably something I, I would think that's, that's come from your sort of military experience as well, isn't it? Cause that's a reflecting debriefing going over things would be, I'm thinking would be mm. like the norm. Um, yeah, so absolutely. bring that into every day and bring that mm. into business um yeah yeah absolutely you know we're always conducting after action reviews or what debriefs or whatever the language is that you want to call call it um i didn't i didn't have sort of the academic rigor behind understanding what we were doing obviously mm. i did it for many years and i was like huh, oh this is what we've been doing okay and that's, so now i've got the language behind it um but yeah absolutely it's i think those type of conversations are really critical to peak performing teams. And it's something I really try to, I try to bring into work with my clients who have teams that are trying to increase performance. It's like, you're right, okay. You need to be able to have honest and frank, critical discussions every single day. You know, we'd have two, three a day, depending on how busy we were. After every job, we would come back in and be, hey. Um, and I think... The best book that describes it from a non-military perspective is um, Legacy by James Kerr, who he followed the New Zealand All Blacks for, I think, a year or 18 months and, and wrote a book called mm. Legacy about why they're such the best performing team in the whole wide world, regardless of context. Um, and it's creating this environment of critical feedback from a place of growth and good. And they do very, very similar after every single game. They all stand up and they self-critical so they own them own their mistakes and say hey i messed this up 
I won't do it again. This is a lesson I've learned. This is what I'm going to try and do next time. Yeah. Um, but also as an opportunity for other people to call each other out on the things that went wrong for the greater good of the team and the organization for learning, mm. not for having a go. Um, but that requires deep trust. It does, doesn't it? I was I was thinking as you were saying that, you know, I was I was imagining someone listening to this who say leads a small team and thinking, oh yeah, okay, right, great. Then give them some stuff I can implement in my business here. How mm -hmm. do you how do you start that process? It's not like you can just suddenly just click your fingers and go, right, now we're all <laughs> going to tell each other honestly how we how we think we've gone today. Um, it's going to end in tears doing it, it, it like that isn't time. it so yeah absolutely and it's it's never comfortable really you, you get comfortable in the process you know sometimes you walk out of there and you're like oh my god I'm going for a beer <laughs> um I really messed up and I let the team down but that's the feeling it's not you know this oh he's an ass he called me this that it's oh god I've let the team down. that's the, the kind of feeling that you have from people performing teams because they're all working for the greater good the purpose mm. How you do, I mean, it takes us seven months of selection and training to get comfortable to start that process. And then you build it, it, it just becomes a process that we do two, three, four times a day. So you're doing it every day. So you become used to it. But mm. yeah, it, take, you know, it took seven months of training to, but then organizations want this in a day. Or give me a day of peak performance team development and we'll, no, 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 no. Doesn't <laughs> work like that. Friend. One workshop mm -hmm. is not going to sort this out. <laughs> um, but tr trust is, is the foundation, I think. That, and, you know, you really have to work on that before you can even start to think about having hypercritical conversations because otherwise it'll just breed discontent, animosity, and it'll create more of a divide rather than bringing the team together. Totally. And I guess, I mean, bringing it back into sort of the real world, if you like, like our relationships mm -hmm. are exactly the same, aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. if, if you just met someone in a bar and you're like, hey, I think, you know, you're probably a few kilos too heavy to be wearing <laughs> those pants. Um, you're probably going to get your drink thrown in your face. But if you're 10 years into a relationship where you build a lot of trust, it's going to mm -hmm. hurt and you might still get a drink in your face. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but you, you're going to take that lesson on board and you're like right okay maybe I do need to wear bigger pants or you know lose a few kilos it's a silly jokey example but it's it's a context that a lot of yeah, us can appreciate it's, isn't it you know, yeah, we, we've a great got example it's a great example it's um it's absolutely absolutely right it's probably the easiest analogy that you could use isn't it you know that relationship like you know would you tell a stranger this no okay yeah <laughs> at what point would you be able to say, so, okay, I need to develop some trust, I need to communication, I need to be understanding, that awareness of each other, awareness of myself, mm. all these complexities that some businesses just don't understand that, oh, this is what we need to do to be able to, to perform at this level consistently without losing 70% of our workforce every year through turnover, because mm. that's not a big performing team. No. That's, that's just a not. very good recruitment talent pool. Um, <laughs> 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 you replace the talent every year. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 a funny one, isn't it? I I find I don't know. You know, you're in a similar field, so you may have found the same. The we're a lot of pressure can be put on our shoulders coming in as consultants, as trainers to, mm -hmm. okay, here's our problem. Um, here's our budget. Here's your 
five hour time slot, go for it, solve it. <laughs> how do you, yeah. I mean, how do you find that you, you, you're nodding. So I'm hoping that you're resonating with that. You maybe you've experienced yeah. it too. Yeah. How do you, how do you as a person deal with that pressure? Um, that's a really good question. At the start, I try and ensure that that pressure doesn't exist. Mm. So I'm very, I wouldn't say clever, that was the wrong word, I was going to big myself up there. I'm very critical <laughs> with the, uh, the contracting at the start. So I, I like to have really in-depth discussions. And, and again, I've not done this on the last project and it's gone afoul. I've learned a lot of lessons on the last project because it didn't happen this way. Mm. Um, but to be super diligent upfront and create the boundaries and have it written into the contract. So it's always, I, I very much regurgitate the discussions that we've had back to the client and say, okay, this is the situation as you've said to me. Uh, these are the things that you're asking for. This is the responsibility that I will take. This is responsibility that you will take. This is responsibility that we will take together. And that is it. You know, I can't guarantee, never will guarantee an outcome. I guarantee mm -hmm. the process will be amazing. Uh, and, and so I find that if you do that well, it then creates the boundary around the project, the program, whatever you, you've been asked to do, the consulting um, piece. The client understands exactly what is and what is not within the realm. And if they need to do a bit of creep, then they need to have that discussion. We need to agree, mutually agree on it and bring it in or not. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, and, and then my approach is very facilitative. I, I don't do training in the old term terminology of training. Um, you know, I don't even use that language. We use L and D, you know, mm -hmm. learning and development. Um, and we try to make it as experiential as, as possible because I don't know about you, but I've been on numerous courses, training days, whatever, learned a ton of stuff being super um sort of um inspired in the moment and then the weekend happens you go back to work on monday morning real life hits you straight in the face and you, you shelve everything that you've just those good ideas that learning that you've had and you don't take any action on it yeah and so one of the things that we ensure it, it's we'll I'll, I'll never agree to do just a, a set amount of days or, or thing. It's a process. It's a period of time where we force the client to embed things into their practices because you've told us this is your problem or your, your problematic situation and you've come to us for help. But guess what? You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, it's taking the pressure off ourselves as consultants or coaches. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm good at what I do, but I can't do it for you and nor should I because otherwise you might as well just employ me and then I'll do the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that can help make sure the client understands that and you've articulated it pro properly. Again, is a good discussion to have, but we're very much focused on the experiential learning that you have to try. No, sorry, I'll take your language. You have to do, <laughs> you have to learn. And the only way you will learn is from doing. Yeah. But there's so, so many organisations that want that quick fix magic. Oh, we're going to get this consultant in and they're going to do this and we're going to be all good. 
And that just doesn't happen. It's never happened. Why do you think it's going to happen now? Exactly. And I think that's that's a that's a real example of having that um, certainty of self, you know, certainty mm-hmm. in ourself, isn't it? And and mm-hmm. the boundaries of what we do and what we don't do. I, I've spoken about it in other conversations on on this show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, having very very clear frameworks or structures within which we operate and know that if we operate outside of that then you know we've either decided to expand our framework or or we can expect the consequences of it like you just alluded to in that example where you didn't stick to your process of contracting at the start so much and then the the project has kind of gone a bit awry and a bit sort of not yeah. quite how you would want it to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, after the and this was some of the feedback that we had after the first session was, oh, we expected you to come and tell us what to do. I'm like, well, no, that was never the case. This is a development program. I'm not going to tell you how to be a leader, and we're going to explore agile leadership because that's what you told me you wanted to do. And these were the things that we discussed on the stakeholder meeting on the scoping. My style is to coach you through it yeah and and consult you through it i'm not here to stand and tell because i don't work in your organizations and i'm not you so how can i tell you how to be a leader we can explore some things and we can deep dive into things and we can share experiences and maybe you'll pick up a few things and learn from that and go and implement it and learn from doing it yourself but i'm not going to give you this bullet point program to oh right now i need how are you oh how are you you know that doesn't really show for a start (laughs) but this is and i was i was shocked this was you know 37 senior leaders in a global organization saying oh we just wanted you to tell us what to do like okay you're like vp level you shouldn't be getting told what to do anyway like you should be setting the conditions for others it's like it, it, it stories like this i think you know that there's the, the audience listening to this show there's got there's a huge variety of people listening <laughs> to this show and i think mm-hmm. um a lot there's a lot of small business owners and you know i know for even myself particularly as a as a, as a solopreneur as a mm-hmm. a female solopreneur at the same time you know i can yeah. feel sometimes that wow, I'm not in the league of those people up there. But I think Mm -hmm. that story that you've just shared there just shows that it shows the humanness, doesn't it? It shows that no matter what the title, no matter what the position, deep down, everyone has those same fears, doubts, anxieties. Mm -hmm. Like we just Mm -hmm. want to be told what to do and and. It doesn't always work like that, as you say, if you're in sort of that consulting environment. And I also liken it to parenting. Like so much of my parenting skills I use (laughs) with my clients. And then so much of the stuff I do with my clients, I kind of use in parenting. And I'm not saying I sort of coach my kids, but then at the same Mm -hmm. time, exactly like you've just said, they ask for help to do something, I will help them with a method or I'll help them develop yeah. their own strategy rather than just giving them the answer. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you're so right. And it's funny that you say that. It's um, during my military career, the, you, you put people on pedestals. I think you do it in life anyway. You put people on pedestals like, oh my God, look at them, they're so successful because, mm-hmm. because of X, Y, Z, whatever our perspective is of their success at the time in comparison to ours usually and then I had a lot of opportunity to go and work with different organizations within the UK and abroad 
with organizations that I, I held in very, very high regard, I was like, oh my gosh, it'd be amazing to work for these people that are, you know, God, how clever must you be to work in this organization? And, <laughs> and then, you know, you look behind the curtain and it's like, huh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're winging it as well. Okay. <laughs> and in, I, I'm seeing this in my real world now, in, in, in business. And it, everybody in life is just winging it. Totally. Trying to do, with good, all good intent, trying to do the best that they can with the knowledge and information that they've got and the abilities they've got, with the good intent that they've got. But everybody is winging it. Mm-hmm. And if you realise that, and if you have the opportunity to see that and you're like, oh, it then can stop this sort of imposter syndrome or help to alleviate this imposter syndrome of, oh my God, you know, I, they're not better or worse than anyone else. They're just another human being or a group of human beings. And life is, you know, as painful for them as it is for you at times. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, having that realisation going, huh, everybody's winging it. <laughs> No one has their shit together. (laughs) I remember, I remember one of my very first jobs um, was uh, like a silver service uh, waitress Mm -hmm. in a restaurant. So, you know, like big carrying big silver platters of meat and vegetables and all that. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. serving them with spoon and fork, no tongs, you know, serving people's food (laughs) on their plates. And um, it was a it was a, a training college, and sometimes they would have special events on, and they'd have guest speakers. So they'd have like public figures mm-hmm. and um, actors or sports um, personalities or whatever, um, who had obviously been there to do performance, peak performance talks and things like that. And then they'd come to the restaurant afterwards and there would be such hype on those nights. You know, everyone would be like, you know, oh, how's my uniform? How do I look? You know, go polish your (laughs) shoes and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And and I just remember thinking like I was 15, 16. I'm like, they're just people. Like it's just, just, it's just a person who's hungry and wants their dinner, just like anybody else. Like what's all the Mm -hmm. fuss about? Like, I get that we have to be professional, but why do we have to be more professional for that customer than that customer? You know, that customer, that average person who um, works here, surely Mm -hmm. we should be just as professional for them. And and so I remember like having that kind of realization quite Mm -hmm. young. Then I think I forgot it. Um, and now I'm remembering it again. You know, it's, we are nice. all human. Like, uh-huh. yes, some people have mm-hmm. more experience and might come across more outwardly confident, but inside we're still the same, aren't we? Absolutely. That's such a, such a good lesson. And, you know, and it's amazing that you learned it so early on in life. And I think that's going to link back to your comment about parenting and, and consulting. I found being a parent has made me a better coach and a consultant. Mm because children just see the world through an amazing set of eyes and there's no sort of um, preconditioned, you know, thesis or hypothesis or anything. They just ask really good questions. Yeah. But why? But why is this this way? You know, like, huh. I haven't thought of it. I just Through grit and um, teeth. <laughs> But you know, and, and, yeah, you, you, you know, you take the parent head off and put the coach head on. Like, ah, oh, this is a really good question. Yes. Why? Just because we've accepted it for so long, we feel that is this is the way things are done. Yeah, just because we've I, always I done it, yeah. it this way. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> 
what through through this um through this conversation you've talked about highs and lows and and mm-hmm. through your career you've obviously experienced highs and lows and, and 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 on this roller coaster of life what's the um what is the consistent thing for you what's your drive that keeps you going through it all oh my lord um i think i've said it before it, it's my my family um I've been married for, let me get this right now, 16 years. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I think I think it's it's twofold. I think it's 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 the drive for, for my family. I want I want to create a better world for my family. I'm I'm a father of a daughter, she's nine years old. I want the world's just not good for women right now it's getting better there's more this you know top level discussions now it's more in people's sort of front of mind mm. still nowhere near where it needs to be so I'm a massive advocate for that and I do a lot of I try and do a lot of work to try and alleviate or, or balance it out so that my daughter has the ability to go and step into whatever role that she wants to do without these sort of um things going against her just because of her gender you know yes. totally wrong um so i think the my family you know i want to provide a life that i want for them that i never had you know i came from um hey i I'd never had any great hardship but we you know i grew up on one of the worst council estates in the area that i came from you know mm-hmm. we, we had nothing uh we had food and a roof overhead so we had a lot more than other people so i'm grateful for that but if the past means you're present, then I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I should never have achieved what I've done now. Um, There's a lesson right there, isn't so, there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to just create a better life for my, my, my family, really. That's, that's my, that's get, it gets me out of bed every day. Yeah. Uh, and I think my, my, my passion is to help people. Mm. I, I, I really do. It, it's, and I need to make money from it, which is why I chose consulting and coaching because it's a way of making money out of it. But I do a lot of volunteering, I do a lot of pro bono work, I do a lot of free mentoring because I I just love to help other people and I learn so much. Oh, well. I hear you. I I hear you there. You know, I it's I come away after a coaching session, I come away so energized. I'm like, I have learned mm-hmm. so much from that. And I'm like, yeah. huh. I learned it from me, but it's not, <laughs> but it's not always from from me. You know, it can be something mm-hmm. the client said too, isn't it? But sometimes yeah. it's just speaking things through. And when <clears throat> when we help someone else with something, a challenge that's going on in their worlds, it can kind of mm-hmm. make something click in our own heads. Kind of, it's like, huh? Absolutely. Hmm, absolutely. I should take my own advice here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I've had that one a few like, times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think. I think. Um, I do a lot of visualization as well so that helps me so I have this vision of what life is like in 2030 you know mm. 2030 and again I learned this very early on many years ago sort of an NLP process of this you know visualization and sort of really trying to embody it and, it, and I'm not a woohoo sort of around a campfire sort of person it, it's visualization but then action practical action to get there you know you've got to yeah. take steps yeah. otherwise it's just a dream but it's nice to sort of have that when you do have your down days or your moments where you're questioning what you do it's like okay why am I doing this yes and you think back to that because you visualize it so well you can smell it you can taste it you can hear it you know you've created the picture for yourself yes 
and then you can just have a moment and go, okay, and realign and then back. That's what I'm doing it for. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And what about you? You've alluded a little bit to it again through the conversation already in terms of you're blocking your time, but do you have any mm-hmm. other, other non-negotiables that sort of are the rules by which you live by? Oh, wow. Um, gosh, We're in these big question. questions to you at the that end. That is a you know? good, good question. No, 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 it's fine. That's a good question. It's, um, I think all, for me, I, I've always try to do the good the right thing I always do the right thing I always like to think I do the right thing mm. um so I think that, that I'm, I'm I'm probably too honest for my own good I've had that feedback many many years um but it's just me it's like I'm not going to change I've learned to, to to temper it to my audience um but I think you're as as, as a as a person your um I can't think of the word now but basically your your ability to tell the truth whether you know that's the one of the last things that you can actually your integrity is the word I'm looking for sorry your integrity that's the last thing that anyone can take away from you mm. you can lose everything in life your family your friends your loved ones money your house your car everything but your integrity you know if you can maintain that then you know it, you own that exactly and again it's come back to these things that you can control yeah i can't control everything else around me because the world has just decided that i'm losing everything today but guess what i can still have my integrity and do what i do in the way that i do it so i think that for me is a non-negotiable yes. um which you know some people like it some people don't and that's fine you know there's no malice there yeah you perceive it in a way that doesn't you don't agree with and that's okay um but I, I think you know total honesty uh is one of the things that i sort of i strive for every day and that i expect from others as well yeah and here we go with another example of real life at play My kids arrived home from school right at this point and with all their cavorting and carrying on, I hit the pause button on the recording. So here's a neat little segue and we rejoin with me wrapping up the main brunt of our chat before leading into our quick fire questions. Ash, look, I think we could continue this conversation. I always love having conversations with you. We go down all these different rabbit holes and and I think there's been some real value here for, for everyone listening in. Where can people find out more about what you do or, or get in touch with you if they want to find out more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I love these conversations too. Um, my website is quintessentialperformance.com or our website, sorry, um, quintessentialperformance.com. So there's loads of information on there um, and there's contact details, but the best place for me is LinkedIn. I'm, I'm massively vocal on there <laughs> uh, a, a lot so if anybody wants to reach out it's um, forward slash the ashley hughes is sort of my my um linkedin url feel free to jump on there and give me a shout and start a discussion excellent well i'll post all those links in the show notes to the episode as well i'm pointing down no one can see me but i'm doing <laughs> it anyway or i'll post them in the show notes yes. to the episode to make it easy for people to contact you as well Thank you so much again. It has been a pleasure as always. So are you ready for some quick fire questions? What are you reading right now? 
this is an interesting one. I laughed when you sent it to me. So I made a, a challenge myself this year not to read any books. Okay. Because I, I, I don't, I like um, factual books. So I, I don't read any fiction. Um, and obviously trying to develop a business, be a better leader, blah, blah, blah. I sort of was reading all the leadership books and all the guru books and all the business books. And I was like, they're just espousing the same stuff and I'm bored of it now. Yeah. I'm not hearing anything new. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to read any books this year. But what I will do is I'll read academic journals. Okay. So yep. I'm, re- I'm reading academic journals because they're usually more precise, more concise, and they usually have new things because they're scientific journals. So they have usually, there's been a hypothesis and they've done some work and then figured it out. Um, and the one that I, I love is the International Journal of Evidence-Based Coaching and Mentoring. From oh, It's a bit of a mouthful. It's uh, from Oxford Brookes University in the UK, yep. which the, the faculty there has like Dr. Elaine Cox, who's like wrote the Bible on coaching. So this journal is associated to then it's all about evidence-based coaching and mentoring as well so it again it sits in my world so Excellent. that's why I'm reading at the moment. Fantastic not your typical answer to that question but uh-huh. an insightful <laughs> one nonetheless. <laughs> Try this one on then what about what is the <clears throat> best song of all time and why? I I'm I struggled with this so much. I don't have <laughs> one song. You're not alone. Don't worry. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And I, I, yeah, I struggle. There's so many great songs out there. I think probably has to be two for me. I can't have one. So weirdly, when I met my wife, Nas Barkley, the song "Crazy" was just everywhere at the time. I think it was 2006. And so I obviously, I have fond memories of, of meeting my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so I associate it with that. So although I don't listen to it a lot, I don't listen to it at all, actually. But when it comes on, it fills me with joy. Yeah. Um, the song that I think will always be my favourite, I think, is Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it reminds me of my wife and my family. So it's, it's a, an emotional song for me, even though it's from like the greatest rock band in the world. So it's crazy. <laughs> This is why I love this question because I I love how music just, it captures our emotions, doesn't it? And we can just anchor us back to a time Mm -hmm. in our life when we first heard that song. That's the power of it. I think it's amazing. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. What about a quote that's changed your life? Um, So, again, I'm a massive lover of quotes, so this one was a hard one as well for me. Um, I think the best one that has changed my life was uh so after after sort of my selection in, into uk special forces the day before you have sort of your badging ceremony where you get given your burial and stuff like that you sort of we we had anyway you sit in the cinema and it's the final sort of cull like okay if you're still sat there you've made it now you're gonna you'll get your badge tomorrow and you'll get your buried tomorrow and we walked in sat there and the chief instructor's there and there's only 11 of us out of 80 odd that started seven months ago so you know it's a, it's mm. a somber place at the time <laughs> um and he he puts up the man in the arena but uh theodore roosevelt mm-hmm. and he just says read that and that is it he, he, he gave his time we read it and he says you're now in the arena keep this in mind and go forth and it stuck with me for uh, all the time now and it, it's probably my favorite one it's impacted me so much it has so much meaning to it because it is 
about the people that do, going back to what you were saying before, you know, you cannot try, but about people that do, they're the ones that deserve all the credit. There's all the armchair sports fans, crit critiques, you know, you know, we all do it. Yeah. It's so easy to do, but actually appreciating that it takes effort and it takes putting yourself out there. It takes risk. It takes, you know, um, risk of failure, all that kind of stuff to, to do something and to do mm -hmm. something different and big and audacious, like setting up your own business. And, and so, again, I think it's uh, it relates a lot to business as well for me. It's like you're the ones doing it day in, day out. Yeah. You deserve the credit. That's awesome. Here's a, here's a, I don't know, maybe an easier one to answer, maybe not. What's a, um, a piece of software or a piece of tech or an app or something mm -hmm. that's changed how you do business? So there's, there's two bits. Again, I can't do one. I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what my two at the moment is um, Google Workspace. We, we use Google as a business for everything. Um, it's so good for collaborating, for storing everything. Thing on on the Google Drive and sort of, I just love Google as well. I'm a Google fan, so I love the sort of the idea of Google and the Googliness. Yeah. Um, and the second one is I've I've revisited it um, about six months ago. Someone recommended it to me again. I tried it a few years ago and it was terrible, but now they've really sort of shifted again. It's brilliant. It's Calendly. Yes, it's for, I hear one hundred percent with that. <laughs> It, for me, it removes friction. And if it removes friction for the client or the prospective client, then that's it. Yeah. So I, I can pre-populate my calendar. They can see when I'm free and then they can choose. They, again, it's given ownership, isn't it? It's like rather than email ping pong of like, oh, when are you free? When am I free? I'm not here for a hit. It's like, hey, here's my calendar. Book a time. You choose, you choose a time that suits you when you're ready. And that is a game changer. I just have pop-ups now. I get a notification from Google that hey, this is this your time has been booked and here's what it is. You know, like, okay, cool, thanks. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. I am one hundred percent with you on Calendly. <laughs> I love it. It makes my life very, very easy. <laughs> Leave us with a life hack, one simple little tip that everyone can go away and be like, oh my god, that's brilliant. Oh gosh, you put me on pressure. I don't think there's going to be an oh my god moment, and I think it's a business <laughs> hack more than a life hack. But okay. I suppose it can transcend it onto life. Surround yourself with people that are better than you, or that you perceive to be mm. better than you. And from a business perspective, you know, LinkedIn's on fire at the moment, and so put yourself out there and ask. Be comfortable in asking uncomfortable questions. Mm, I've literally I do I do it every I, and this is one of the things that I do practice what I preach I've recently sent 10 not cold messages but warm so we were connected on LinkedIn there's been a few hey how are you sort of discussions but I've never worked with them I never had any discussion about work and so I've just sent you know a, a, a request to have them on you know on my YouTube channel and I asked 10 and the very senior people in big organizations or like chief people officers or HR directors. I was like, hey, you know, I love what your company's doing. Um, I'm a big fan. I'd love to learn more. Would you be willing to give me 20 minutes of your time? Uh, and one person came back out of the 10. Awesome. But that one person is like blow my mind. And if you, if you don't ask, you don't get. We've still got to make it happen because he's super busy. Yeah. But if you don't ask, you don't get. I love that. 
I love that. That that in itself is a life hack. If you don't ask, you don't get. But there we go. Um, amplified into surround yourself with people that that challenge and stretch us. As we spoke about earlier, it's so easy to sit comfortable, and this links us full circle, doesn't it? It's so easy to mm-hmm. sit comfortable in our comfort zones with people that tell us all the things that we want to hear, and we mm-hmm. we just sit in this comfortable mediocrity. If we want to grow, if we want to develop ourselves or our business or both, then we need to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable, don't we? And, and one of the best ways Absolutely. to do that is to have people around us who are going to stretch and challenge us. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Because guess what? You'll soon become comfortable in that place and then you'll look for the next place to be uncomfortable. And that's growth. Absolutely. I love it. We could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> But we, will, but we will sign off. I have kids that have come home from school and you have your yeah. day to attend to. But Ash, thanks mm-hmm. again so much. Again, it has oh, been an, an awesome conversation and um, I'm really looking forward to getting this episode out there. And that's a wrap for episode number seven. What did you love about this conversation? For me, there were several standouts, but most notably, I loved Ash's three days within a day concept. That idea that we can structure and plan our time around those things that we can't control. So if we have a full-time job, we can't control our nine to five, but we can have some flexibility in what we do in the mornings before work. And we do have some flexibility in what we do in the afternoons and the evenings after work. So I really loved that concept and that there might be ways that we can tweak and pivot and adapt that to make it work for us. So I think that was an awesome, awesome share there. Another thing that really stood out for me and, and really really was a highlight was the fact that the realization that everybody, everybody faces imposter syndrome and self-doubt at some stage or another, even members of the British military. You know, we can we can put people on pedestals. Like Ash said in, in that episode, you know, he, he puts these CEOs and things that he um, works with up on these pedestals thinking that you know they must have everything together and they've got everything worked out but really they don't we are all just human and that was part of the concept behind this podcast in the first place we are all human we all go through the same doubts fears anxieties and worries and I just loved how that was re reinforced through this episode and I think the final thing the final standout for me was the fact that when we sit comfortable, it stifles us. So if we are sitting comfortable, we don't have any opportunity to grow. As my seven-year-old reminds me all the time when I pick him up for things, he's like, mum, it's through making mistakes that I learn. And he's absolutely right. To, to learn, to grow, we've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's going to mean we make mistakes and that is totally fine. So I just love that and I thought it was a nice little reminder to end on. So all of Ash's links to his website and his socials will be in the show notes to this episode and also in the show notes is a link to a 30-minute business bouncing session with me. Now, these are 30-minute blocks that I have um, got in my calendar. They're completely free and they're for anyone who wants to 
bounce anything, discuss anything, talk anything through about their business. So if anything from any of these episodes has made any, has made you think, geez, I need to think about that in my business or I need to think about how I would implement that, then book in for one of these sessions and we can go through it in, in that time. Alrighty, that is all from me for this week. If you haven't already, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice and I will be back in your ears really soon. Until then, bye-bye.